morning, good morning. How are we doing? All right. Good morning, everybody. So, um, I am not Josh, <laughs> and we are actually not going to be in Revelation this morning. So, um, the plan for this week, if you've been with us, we've been doing a series on Revelation, and the plan for this week up until about 24 hours ago was for Josh to keep going, and then he said, hey, dude, I am coughing up a storm. I cannot go. So uh, we're going to take a little break and do something a little different today. So if you haven't met me, um, <laughs> there we go. Uh, my name is Ben Wishall. I'm one of our elder candidates here. And uh, if you would stand with me, we're going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 6 today. If you have one of those uh, blue paperback Bibles, we're going to be on page 330. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You can be seated. All right. If you would pray with me. Um, Lord, thank you, for, thank you for your word. Thank you that um, regardless of circumstance, regardless of who is up here, that you are going to speak and that you are faithful to speak and to teach and that your spirit knows what every person in this room needs this morning, and I just ask that you will speak to each and every one of us, that um, my, my presentation, my words will not get in the way of you moving and working in everyone's life this morning. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So Isaiah chapter six, there are about 50 sermons that I could preach from here, so we're actually gonna focus just on that first sentence in the year that King Uzziah died. Um, this chapter of the Bible is one of the most incredible pictures of God and one of the most transformational encounters with God that's recorded in all of scripture. Um, so we're just, just going to scratch the surface and then the next time that Josh's immune system fails, we can go a little bit deeper. So um, when Isaiah says in the year that King Uzziah died, he is marking when this took place, but I think he's doing a lot more than that as well. If he was just communicating when this happened, he could have been a lot more specific. We see in other parts of scripture, Ezekiel being a really good example, where um, they're very, very specific about when something happened. So the book of Ezekiel begins with, in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiachin. And then in a later chapter, he writes, in the 25th year of our exile, the beginning of the year, on the 10th day of the month, in the 14th year after the city was struck down, on that very day, the hand of the Lord was upon me. All right, so Ezekiel is very, very specific. And Isaiah says, in the year King Uzziah died, um, so I think what, what he's doing there is, is, yeah, he's marking when this happened, but really he's kind of setting the stage and giving the people a backdrop of what this encounter for him was like. He says, hey, in this year when King Uzziah died, here's what God did um, for me and for you. Um, so we're going to go back and understand who King Uzziah was. So Second Chronicles chapters uh, 25 and 26 really talk about who King Uzziah was. Um, I'm not going to read all of that because it's a lot, so I will summarize chapter 25, and then we'll actually read some from chapter 26. Again, 2 Chronicles 25, 26. So in 2 Chronicles 25, read about Uzziah's father, Amaziah, and his reign as king of Judah. So at this time 
In history, the kingdom of Israel was split in half. You had the, the northern kingdom that was referred to Israel, and then the southern kingdom was referred to as Judah, and they didn't really get along. They actually were, were enemies at the time. Um, Jerusalem was in the southern kingdom, was in Judah. So Amaziah was made king of the southern kingdom, king of Judah, at 25 years old. Uh, he had some early success. It says that he went out and he conquered the Edomites. Um, the men of Judah captured 10,000 alive. They, they took spoils of war and those types of things. Um, but then after Amaziah came from striking down the Edomites, he brought the gods of the men of Seir and set them up as gods and worshiped them, making offerings to them. So Amaziah goes out, he has some early success, he's a young king, has some victories, he takes the spoils of war and he brings and sets up idols in Jerusalem and starts worshiping those idols instead of just worshiping God. Not a good thing. <laughs> um, as the story continues, Amaziah sends out a challenge to the king of Israel and says, hey, let's meet. I want to fight you. Um, and they had a much stronger army. In fact, it says, uh, this is the response of the king of Israel. See, I have struck down Edom, and your heart has lifted you up in boastfulness, but stay at home. Why should you provoke trouble so that you fall, you and all of Judah with you? So the king of Israel is like, dude, come on. You don't want to do this. Um, Amaziah keeps pushing, keeps pushing, and so finally he agrees, and they go to war, and here's what Second Chronicles 25 tells us happened. <clears throat> Joash, the king of Israel captured Amaziah, king of Judah, and brought him to Jerusalem and broke down the wall of Jerusalem for 400 cubits from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate, and he seized all the gold and silver and all the vessels that were found in the house of God in the care of Abedabam. He seized also the treasuries of the king's house, also hostages, and he returned to Samaria. So put yourself in the place of a citizen of Jerusalem, okay? Some early success, your king starts worshiping these other gods, he challenges the northern kingdom, and the next thing you know, there's a 400 cubit, that's about 600 feet, a 600-foot hole blown in the wall around the capital. <laughs> the enemies come in to the house of God, disgrace, loot, take everything of value, go into the king's house and take everything of value, and just to rub it in, they take some hostages also. <laughs> so in, in this moment, right, the wall's down, money's gone, everything's kind of, kind of ruined, Who's next? Who's going to lead them out of this? So 2 Chronicles 26, verse 1. All the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. <clears throat> I don't know what you are like when you were 16, but here's some things I can tell you about myself. <laughs> my biggest concern was being able to buy a car and put gas in it so I could hang out with my friends. So I worked for my dad. My dad owned his own business at the time. I worked for my dad. I saved 600 bucks and I bought my sister's 1988 Toyota Celica. <laughs> uh, I love that car though. It was two door, stick shift, had a sunroof, stereo, the AC, the AC actually worked. Sounded like it had a nice V8 under the hood. It actually just had a, a little four cylinder and there were a bunch of holes in the exhaust so it was louder than it's supposed to be. <laughs> um, it was rusted out. The, uh, I went to get tires replaced and get it aligned, and they said, hey, we couldn't adjust the alignment because the alignment screws are rusted in place, like they won't move, so your tires are just gonna wear funny as long as you drive it, yeah, whatever. Um, at some point, somehow, I broke the, the turn signal lever, like it came detached from the steering column and just kind of fell out. Um, <laughs> so I had to take, take the cover off the steering column, expose all the wires and stuff. I still could turn the thing to turn on the headlights, it just was hanging there by the wires, and then use the turn signal, I had to stick my hand inside the, the little steering column and flip the switch back and forth. I drove it like that for a year, it was great. <laughs> um, once I got a taste of that, like, oh man, this is what, this is what money can get me. 
the next, I started saving because I wanted to make another really responsible purchase, um, a Tipman 98 custom paintball gun with a 16-inch barrel. <laughs> so I, trying to imagine 16-year-old me as a manager of Burger King, let alone King of Judah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but let's see, right? So verse four, uh, chapter 26. And he, Uzziah, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. That's a good start. He went out and made war against the Philistines and broke through the wall of Gath and the wall of Jebna and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities in the territory of Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gerbal and against the Midianites. The Ammonites paid tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread even to the border of Egypt for he became very strong. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the angle and fortified them. And he built towers in the wilderness and cut out many cisterns for he had large herds, both in the Shephelah and in the plain. And he had farmers and vine dressers in the hills and in the fertile lands for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of soldiers fit for war in divisions according to the numbers and the muster made by Jael the secretary and Messiah the officer under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's commanders. The whole number of the heads of the father's houses of mighty men of valor was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 who could make war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. And Uzziah prepared for all the army, shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, and stones for slinging. In Jerusalem, he made engines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. And his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. There we go. So in a single generation, God showed his faithfulness to his people, his faithfulness to their king, that, hey, you, you seek me, I'm gonna work with you. And he blessed the reign of six, the 16-year-old king. So in a single generation, he reversed their fortunes. Listen to the instruction of God, the prophet Zechariah, God bless his rule in their kingdom. All right, can you imagine, again, step, stepping into the, the life of a citizen of Jerusalem? You watched, watched your city fall, your king captured, you watched friends and family members taken hostage, and then this teenager steps up and seeks the Lord, and things happen. And you see the walls go back up and fortified stronger than they were before. You start hearing about the armies not only pushing back, but it says he established cities among the Philistines. So he built cities and outposts behind enemy lines. He was pushing them back so much so that he was actually invading their land. So if, again, if you're living in Jerusalem and just seeing things expand and grow, that his fame spread all the way to Egypt. Um, the Ammonites were so afraid of, of their armies and of their might that they just said, you know what, we're just gonna pay you to stay away. We're gonna pay you tribute. We're gonna put ourselves underneath you. We don't want anything to do with you. You're so strong and so powerful. And, um, and ima imagine that, just that shift from the fear, the uncertainty, the anxiety to, man, look, look at us, look at who we are. And, and I skipped over it, but back, back in verse three, it says that uh, Uzziah reigned for 52 years. So this, this section, most historians think that this, this section of scripture I just read lasted about 42 of those 52 years. Okay, so for 42 years sitting under this, this faithful ruler, um, that's longer than most of us in this room have been alive. Right? Sorry, if you're not that, it's not, that's not you, but. <laughs> um, but for 42 years, right? I mean, that's, you're to the point now where you've got grandparents saying, yeah, when I, was, when I was a kid, this is what it was like. When I, our king, this is what he did. I mean, it's the stories of, of a weak Jerusalem, a weak Judah were stories. It was, it, this was generations ago. Um, you know, they, they were telling them about, oh, well, yeah, we had to walk, walk up hill to school both ways in the snow and, and that type of thing, right? That's, that's how, how long it's been. 
um, under this successful, strong king. At the height of his reign, Jerusalem would have been one of the most prosperous and safest places in the known world to live. Let's keep going. Chapter, uh, verse 16. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor and they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord for the priests, and the, priests the sons of Aaron who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary for you have done wrong and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense and when he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priests in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out, because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and being a leper lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's household, governing the people of the land. So if that is unfamiliar, so before, before Jesus came and died and, and rose to the dead and kind of provided that once for all sacrifice for sin, God had given very, very specific instructions to his people for how they were to um, seek atonement and forgiveness for their sin. Um, this, and this was from, from after Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. God gave instruction to build the tabernacle and then later on the temple and here's how you should do this. The priests were the only ones allowed to come in and offer sacrifices at the altar. And they would offer sacrifices on behalf of all of the people of Israel. Um, the point of that, right, it was and still is for us a picture and a reminder that we need a mediator. We cannot approach the presence of God um, with sin in our account. We need someone to go before him, before us, and say, hey, I'm going to offer sacrifice, forgiveness of sin, and then we are, can approach God and come to his presence. The, the priest kind of acted as, as surrogate messiahs, as, as surrogate Jesuses until Christ came as the one true and perfect messiah. Um, and so this, this had been the structure since, since Moses of the Israelites out of Egypt, somewhere in the range of... 600 to 650 years up until Uzziah was king, this is how things had been done. Every child of Israel had taught this since they were born, especially the children of the king. Now maybe, maybe with Azariah worshiping false gods, he didn't really instruct Uzziah properly, but again, this was 42 years into a, a faithful rule where it says Uzziah was listening to the prophet Zechariah, he was doing right in the eyes of the Lord. So at bare minimum, for 42 years, Uzziah had been doing things this way. He knew what God's purpose was. He knew what the plan was. He knew that he needed a mediator to go before him. And in his pride said, you know what? I, I'm good enough. I can do this. I'm going to go be the Messiah for myself. Even in that, God gave him a chance to repent. Right? If you look at verse 18 again, it says, um, so Azariah and the priest went in, 80 priests of the Lord, so 81 people, and they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, hey, it's not for you. Stop. God gave him a chance. He put 81 priests in front of him and said, hey, hold on, this is wrong and you know this. Give us your offering, give us your sacrifice, let us do this and, and please turn away. What's his response? How dare you? He gets angry. I'm Uzziah. I rebuilt Jerusalem. I put war machines on the towers that launch stones. He built catapults. I push back the Philistines. I have an army of 300,000 at my disposal. You 81, who are you? How dare you? His pride had inflated him so much, he felt worthy to step into the place of Christ. 
to be the mediator on his own behalf. And when God challenged him, he shook his finger at him. So what does God do? He reminds him, reminds him, no, you need a mediator. You can't do this alone. I'm gonna give you leprosy. This is front page news. The king of 42 years has leprosy. So at this time, right, there's no cure for leprosy. Super contagious. Um, to keep it from spreading through the population and kind of wiping everyone out, anyone that had leprosy was separated from the rest of the people and either lived in a colony, or in Uzziah's case, he had, you know, he was, had resources, he was isolated in his own home. Right, essentially, leprosy is like COVID for life. <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> So again, stepping into the place of a citizen of Jerusalem, you got your king, you got your guy, and then all of a sudden, what, what? he did what, where, why? Imagine that feeling of betrayal. How, how dare, like he, Uzziah was, you know, how dare you challenge me? If I'm following this king, how dare you try to be God? <laughs> you have a responsibility to everyone here to lead us faithfully. Uncertainty, betrayal, anger, I mean, this, this is like the ultimate scandal of that generation. For those who lived in Jerusalem, I mean, this is, this is like Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. I mean, this is disgusting. This is betrayal. This is, what? It's a world-renowned leader. Remember, he was, he was feared to Egypt. He had other countries paying him tribute. This is a world-renowned leader just making a horrible decision. This, this is like calling for a pass on the two-yard line in the Super Bowl instead of giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> I'm a Chiefs fan, so I love ragging up the Seahawks whenever I can. <laughs> this is devastating, shocking, traumatic. So for the final 10 years of his eyes reign, he was in isolation through his, so he ruled through his son. So again, every, every time there was an announcement that went out, anytime anything happened, it was this weird like, yeah, Uzziah said this through his son, and just that constant reminder of what had happened for the last 10 years of his reign until he died. Isaiah was living in Jerusalem through all of this, right? He was, or through the end of this. Um, so when Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, he's speaking of what he, he himself felt as well. He's reminding himself and reminding all the people of, yeah, here's what happened, and then the 10 years, and then he died, and we had to think about it all again, bringing to mind, just remember the emotions, remember the uncertainty, remember the betrayal that you felt when you first heard that, that our king had stepped into the temple and, and was struck with leprosy. For Isaiah himself, when he had this encounter with God that we see in, in, a, in chapter six, he was feeling all of those things, right? In this moment, in this place, this weakness and vulnerability, this is where he has this encounter with God. I'm gonna flip back and read it again. So again, Isaiah chapter six. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said to me, and I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And notice in this encounter, what does God do here? He didn't do anything. 
He doesn't speak a word. He just shows up. But that's the point. He just shows up. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And even look, look at God's posture. He's sitting down. <laughs> King Uzziah is dead. Everyone doesn't know what's happening. They felt betrayed and hurt and broken. And God meets Isaiah, and he's just sitting. But he's sitting on a throne. Right? He's not running to and fro, looking for the next king. What are we gonna do? You know, David, Saul, no. Like, what, what? No, he's sitting on the throne. It's like, yeah, your earthly ruler failed you. I'm here on the throne. He showed Isaiah, reminded him, reminded all the people. He was not surprised. He was not shaken. He was not panicked. He was and is sitting on the throne. Uh, my parents are two of the strongest people I know. They've been married for 44 years. Um, I'm one of six kids. And uh, my mom homeschooled us, all of us, all the way through high school. <laughs> so applause for them. <laughs> um, so August of uh, 2006, which was end of summer before my senior year of high school. Um, so I'm fourth, so I have three older siblings right out of the house, me and my two younger siblings. Uh, my mom's kidneys failed. So she'd been dealing with some kidney-related health stuff for a while. She changed her diet and done some different things to kind of manage it, and we really felt like taken care of, wasn't having further issues for a while, and then in a single weekend, it just changed. Um, started feeling bad, thought maybe there was some kind of infection because nothing was working. Went in on uh, Monday, and August 23rd, my dad's 55th birthday, they got the word from the doctor that, hey, your kidneys are done, you need to start dialysis tomorrow and get your name on a, on a transplant list. So that was you know, a couple weeks before the start of my senior year. I was captain of the basketball team. I was the only kid at home that had a driver's license. Um, again, homeschooling. Dialysis is, for my mom, was three days a week for four to five hours a day. <laughs> it's not, not a simple thing. And um, dad's still working full time to provide for the family. So <laughs> it was a lot, <laughs> it was a lot. Um, watching my, my mom and, and my parents go through that Man, talk about uncertainty. My strong, get strongest people that I know. There were days when my mom wouldn't be with us because she, she'd been on dialysis all day. We're out doing our different things. Dad's working. So she'd sit at the dinner table with us and just was so exhausted that she just put her face down on the table because she couldn't hold her head up. She was just so tired, so exhausted, felt so weak. Man, I was powerless. I could not do anything to help her. And watching my dad, my dad couldn't do anything either. Talk about a feeling of, of helplessness and powerlessness, watching, <laughs> watching my dad who, when we were in, in the late 90s building a house, he threw his back out and had back spasms and still would go up and lay on a mattress and tell my brothers what to do from his back. I mean, that's, my, my, dad, didn't, my dad didn't fall short. He didn't, he, he couldn't do anything. It's in that place of vulnerability, of weakness, that feeling of powerlessness, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord on the throne. When the pregnancy test is negative, again, I saw the Lord on the throne. When you've applied for 15 jobs and had zero responses, I saw the Lord on the throne. When you wake up with a migraine, again, I saw the Lord on the throne. When the cancer diagnosis comes in, the treatment doesn't work, 
another miscarriage, when the thing you're hoping and believing in, whatever you find your security in, fails you, I think a reminder is to look up. Okay, the things of this earth will always fail us. The person you trust in the most hurts you the deepest. God's not surprised. He's on the throne. He says, look at me, look up at me. He's not panicked, he's not surprised. When everything around you crumbles, he's that source of identity, he's that source of security that we all so desperately need. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated upon the throne. My eyes saw the king. The king. So in a minute, I'm gonna pray. We have a time of response. Before we do that, there's one other thing that I wanna make sure that I name and call out. There's a lot of you here today that this is, this is a help, this is an encouragement, this is what you need to hear. But there's some of you that hearing that whatever you're going through, God sees it and he's on the throne, that sucks. It's frustrating. Why? Why doesn't he do something? We don't always know. That's, that's the reality, we don't always know. But what I can tell you, if that's you today, I'm gonna be up front after, I, I wanna talk to you, I wanna pray with you, I wanna engage in a conversation, I wanna walk together to help you try to find an answer. We might not always know what it is, might not always have the right answer, but we know that God is on the throne, ruling and reigning, and that doesn't move and that doesn't change. I'm gonna pray for us. Father, thank you for, as, as we sang, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are great. Thank you that you are, are wise. Thank you that you are kind. Thank you that when every, everything around us fails us, you are on the throne. Ruling and reigning, you're consistent. You are good, and we don't have to fear. We don't have to be angry because you are good, and Help us to believe and to trust and to know that that is real and that is true and that is right. Help us to, to seek you and follow you and pursue you in that way. And, and Lord, for, for anyone here that is facing the same thing again and again and again, Lord, just ask that you will meet them where they're at, that you will help them to, to see and to know and to trust and understand why. But more than that, Lord, that they can trust you even if they don't get the answer why. Thank you, Lord, that you are on the throne and that you are faithful to us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.